Hey folks, if you like listening to Stumble Through, there's now a way you can support the show. Click the link in the show notes to make a once-off donation through the ACAST supporter feature. There's no ongoing commitment and you can give as little or as much as you'd like. I love making the podcast and I'd like to keep making it. So even if it's just the price of a coffee, every little bit helps. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and community. I pay my respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past and present. Do you find the time when you can't find pause? A confirmation watch your face is gonna open some doors. You do what you gotta do to stumble through. Hello folks and welcome to Stumble Through, the podcast for young Australian adults trying to figure shit out. I'm your host, Paula Urijo. I'm a writer, theatre creator and marketer. I am a short, round-faced white woman and I've got this really cool t-shirt on. We're actually recording this episode so I don't know if... You'll be able to see it, but it's got embroidered in red stitching and it says she blooms. And I got it from this amazing local creator called Charlie Burrows, usually known as the Oh My Girl. It's a great shirt and I wanted to tell you about it. And this week we are talking about fostering connections through vulnerability with Dylan Conway. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Paula. How are you? I am a little bit sleepy, but we will get there and hopefully my brain won't like stall at too many. <laughs> too I, don't, many I don't think we'll have a problem. <laughs> Could you introduce yourself to the lovely listeners? So I'm Dylan Conway. I'm the founder and owner of Brothers and Books. For my full-time job, I'm an infantry captain in the Australian Army. And for my visual representation today, I'm wearing a Brothers and Books shirt, silly sandals, and I am a tall 27-year-old Caucasian male. Nice, very nice. Silly sandals. Those are the Birkenstocks, yeah. Birkenstocks. And, and I always would see people wearing Birkenstocks and I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's so expensive. So Are this they? is my one materialistic ah, sort of go. thing. yeah. But they're so comfy. They're meant to be like so comfy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're pretty comfy, but you've got to wear them in. They didn't tell you about that. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like Doc Martens. A hundred percent. The pain is a good thing, apparently. <laughs> okay. I assume it's like taking up smoking. You, okay. you know, you've got to fight through. Right. You've got to fight through that initial bit, except with Birkenstocks, you hopefully don't get cancer. Exactly right. But who, right. Kn- who knows the damage <laughs> that has been done to my bloody soles on my feet? I've, look, I've, I don't know. I don't think there's anything any to point to that. Dear Birkenstocks, please don't sue us. <laughs> um, Shout out Birkenstocks. Yay. Have you stumbled through anything this week? This week I have returned to work. Yes. The thing that I have stumbled through this week is recently I've become a publisher so I've just been learning everything about that so I try and fail as much as possible and learn as much as possible so that's what I've been stumbling through this week. That is so cool. I also started running again for the first time since my injury so I have very much been physically stumbling through that (laughs) as well. Man well I mean look good at you for even running at all in the first place. I don't like sweating so running is 
probably one of my worst nightmares, yeah. if I'm totally <laughs> honest. Just, just not on board. <laughs> That's actually like a good reason, I think, to be anti-running. Mm. It's not the running, it's the sweating. It's the sweating. Yeah. It's the, I just, it's not for me. That being said, I, I guess I metaphorically sweat in a lot of situations, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good. Oh, uh, no. Internal uh, perspiration. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. <laughs> so we are talking about vulnerability. And so my first question for you is vulnerability takes courage. How has being vulnerable enriched your life? Yep. So reading this question before I come in today, it's a very good question. And I think my thoughts of an answer should shape the rest of my answers. And there's a book title by Frederick Nietzsche, which is Beyond Good and Evil. And just the book title itself talks about, well, you can extrapolate it and see what it's saying is there's good and there's bad, but what's beyond that? So to answer this question, I'd like to talk about the positive sides of vulnerability as well as the negative sides of vulnerability and I'll start with the negative side so we can move through to the positive sides at the end. Sounds good. So the negative sides of vulnerability and different definitions of vulnerability would simply just be being honest, being open with your emotions, etc. And the times that you are vulnerable are important. When you are vulnerable, it's important I think that you're with the right person to do it. And the negative connotations around vulnerability definitely stem from doing it in the wrong context, which would be oversharing etc yeah or there's i think there's another version of it which is like trauma dumping yeah 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 and in the military a lot of people would be familiar with the tactic of an ambush in an ambush you don't want to give away anything for, exa- for those of us who don't even like have the constitution to watch military films like i i cry too much as it is yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so an ambush that's when so, I sort of understand, but I don't. So if you were to visualize the enemy walking down a road mm-hmm. and a bunch of the friendly soldiers lying in the bushes, camouflaged, mm. lying in wait for an attack on those enemy. Right. So it's a surprise attack. It's a surprise attack. Ah. Perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah, sweet. Right. Like those notifications that MyGov texts me and I'm like, just tell me what you want. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me what you want. Yeah. So <laughs> I think about life a lot of the times in terms of military strategy, just because of my background. And in an ambush, you don't want to give away your position, your forces, what sort of weaponry that you have, etc. Right. Everything's uh, a secret. Exactly right. Okay. And so vulnerability in the incorrect context is giving away people that don't wish you the absolute best ah. information that potentially they don't need to know or they could utilize against you. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's like putting your, your trust in the wrong person. I suppose in a corporate context, it's being a little bit too open about what you're struggling with, with a supervisor or coworker that may just weaponize that information, yeah. sort of giving them the stick to beat you with. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And there's a really good book by Robert Greene and it's called The 48 Laws of Power. And all throughout that book, he talks about what you should and should not share. And sometimes it's better to keep your cards closer to your chest, whether it's military, business, or just life in general with your friendships. So, so that, that's the negative side of vulnerability. Obviously, you need to choose the audience in which you're being vulnerable with. But on the very, very positive side, we talk about vulnerability within yourself. Uh, there's a quote by Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson's quite controversial. People either love him or hate him. But again, mm. beyond that... What, it's like an artichoke. <laughs> You know, people love them, they hate Yeah, exactly right. It is, it just is, right? (laughs) It just is. Very, very Taoist. Um, (laughs) um, And Jordan Peterson has a really good quote, and it says, if you have something to say and you don't say it, I'm paraphrasing now, but that is a lie in itself. 
So I think vulnerability is extremely difficult to master being vulnerable with yourself, just being real with yourself. I think one of the hardest things that people can do in their life, much harder than running and sweating, <laughs> much harder than going to the gym, is just sitting still and being quiet and being honest with themselves. And not even in the form of meditation. Meditation says to just observe the thoughts that come in and out. Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable with yourself and true mindfulness, I think in this context, is not only observing the thoughts, but reaching in and trying to critically analyze those thoughts. And that is a bloody hard thing to do. It's why people don't really like isolation. So in that context, being vulnerable with yourself, I think it's so important. It's probably the most important thing that you can do. And then being vulnerable with other people, which is sort of the external to that, is also super important because people don't know what they don't know if you don't tell them. And you can't reach out for help if you're not vulnerable with other people and my background I had multiple surgeries on my back it was a very difficult time and vulnerability definitely allowed me to reach out to people to to gain the help that I required at the time yeah without a doubt whether it be nurses doctors surgeons friends and family without without being able to be real and like Jordan Peter said say what I felt then I definitely would have felt that internal displeasure with myself you know it's like a hey tomorrow morning I'll get up early at six o'clock <laughs> and you don't get up at six o'clock and you feel that little like yeah, part of you break the promise to yourself exactly and exactly and that's the exact same thing with not saying how you feel not saying what you want to say and not being honest or vulnerable with those around you and it's actually interesting positive or negative when you are being honest People actually respect, you know, decent people and decent people everywhere just respect you more than more for that. You know, it's yeah. like why well, you appreciate your father when he's like, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. He's being honest. You might not like the things that he's saying, but you still respect the hell out of that. Yeah. I, I think that there were two really interesting things that what you've said brought up. The first thing was, I guess, when you were having to be vulnerable It's almost like, and there are times when I think everyone is in the situation where you are forced to be vulnerable Mm. because you have no other option. And that can feel really stressful. And sometimes we're not able to communicate in the way that best represents ourselves or our needs. And so when you were going through all those surgeries and when you weren't able to do a whole lot of stuff because you were recovering from them, perhaps that might have felt a little bit like, well, you couldn't hide the f- you couldn't play that off. You couldn't be like, no, I'm 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 so fine. I'm so fine. Like you'd have to be like, no, actually I I do need help with this and I am feeling this today yeah. and there is pain in this area because if you didn't share that truth, then that would be bad for you in yeah. many ways. But perhaps did you feel that you had a bit more practice coming up to that stage. Yeah. It would have been a bit easier. Oh, 100%. And you look at like escape mechanisms that people use. When we look at all the negative things that we see in society, any sort of ism, right? Mm. Anything that people are doing to avoid that vulnerability internal to the self can be rectified. You know, the same reason we recommend psychologists and psychiatrists, where it's sort of like paying to force you to be vulnerable Mm. with someone else, right? So there's nothing that you can't Mm. talk through to get through something as opposed to these coping mechanisms that people everywhere use. Oh, absolutely. You know, you you do that because it's a coping mechanism so that you don't have to be alone with your thoughts. Like if you look at alcoholism, it's, it's all escapism. Exactly. Just before we move on to the next question, though, really interesting point that I wanted to touch on just then was, you know, we... We say that we pay psychologists and psychiatrists to sit there with us and make us look at the issue. But 
I, I almost disagree because I feel that unless you are willing to do the work, they're not going to benefit you because despite all their degrees, they aren't mind readers. A hundred percent. And so even though they can be like, look, I'm noticing this in you, like you can still block them out and you can still ignore them and you can still refuse to do the work. And they probably will only scratch the surface and be like, hey, have you considered that maybe you are blocking me out because you are afraid of being alone with yourself? Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And obviously those people are through their studies through university, they come up with better mechanisms of communication to be able to... Yeah, and uh, draw people Exactly right, to get that intrinsic motivation. But I actually completely agree with that sentiment. For any of your listeners, there's a really great book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Mm. Willink. And essentially, I, I loved how you said they can only see through their own eyes. And that's so true all of our problems and our solutions are contained within ourselves yeah 100 mate so i really like that but yeah just like the gym allows you to release endorphins a psychologist allows you to release your emotions but at the end of the day well the psychologist isn't doing the bicep curl for you no exactly i think sometimes i think that one of the reasons why vulnerability is so difficult and can make us feel so distressed is because it is very intangible and invisible. We cannot see, like we can feel the internal struggle of, okay, I'm about to talk about something that I'm a little bit scared to talk about and I don't know why it scares me and I don't know why I'm crying right now, but I know that it is. And it's a little bit easier to understand what's going on and process things if there is like a physical manifestation. It's much easier to recognize that, yes, you're feeling tired and a little bit worn out and there's a mountain in front of you, but you're going to have to climb it anyway. And it's a little bit easier to like do that than it is to go. So I've got some deep seated childhood trauma, hey? Yeah. And I'm not sure how to deal with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I found though, what, what navigates me through life and we can do the analysis on ourselves. And like you said, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all our own people. Yeah. But I think... In this regard, if you were to do the self-analysis and and look at your past and history and something that does really make you anxious, the anxiety period, you know, there's that saying about depression. When when, when you're depressed, you're living in the past, past regret. When you're anxious, you're looking in the future. You're looking in the future, right? In those anxious periods... It is that holding on to vulnerability that's causing the anxiety because you're not taking the step, you know, you're not, you're not moving into that present moment. So something that guides my life is just being extremely honest all the time because I know if I'm completely honest all the time, well, then I have nothing to be anxious about. I'm not hiding small lies. Mm. I'm not worried about these feelings that I'm feeling because I am very honest, but like Robert Green says in his book, maybe that's not the best approach to strategy long term, <laughs> but it's a very simple way to feel at peace with yourself all the time. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, it, you've already displayed just how much not only reading has enriched your life, but how being vulnerable has allowed you to become enriched as a person in the way that you view and interact with yourself as well as the world and people around you. Like being able to be honest and be able to have the courage to face that and wield that honesty. Yeah. 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 And if you look at, let's say, sexual relationships, you know, then nine times out of 10 conflict, and this is a made up statistic, <laughs> not 90% of statistics are made up, but, you know, the conflict often arises from dishonesty. Uh, yeah. And, and that's a very good case study to look at the importance of vulnerability, because if you're not saying what you mean, again, I point to Jordan Peterson, these small things add up. And he tells a story about how there's a 70 year old man, he's been married for 50 years to his wife. And since over 20, she's been bringing him out his food on, on a small plate. And he hasn't said anything about it for his whole life, uh, but he dislikes the small plate. He wants a large plate. And mm. finally, when he's 70 years old, oh, no. she brings out the small plate. And, and whether this story is true or not, mm. and, and he smashes the plate and he says, I've always hated this plate. 
Oh, no. Uh, and so this man has lived his life mm. without. Like, well, if you just told me, I can get you a bigger <laughs> exactly plate. Exactly, right. and that and that's and that's where the power of truth and vulnerability stems from. It's very hard to to have people around you in your life that are important to you that are not acting in your best interest if you try your best to be completely transparent. And if you are being completely transparent, and the other person is listening, well, then you're giving them the solution to make you be who you are. And if they're doing that back, well, there's a really good harmony of truth yeah. and communication. Communication and again, I'm talking about psychologists or counselors. I think that's what most relationship therapists would advise to do just be completely honest with one another. For sure. And then, at least, even if you don't know what solution to offer, at least you both have aligned yourselves on the same team against the problem. 100%. Yeah. And, and the vulnerability in that sense, if you were to be opposed to it, the walls that come up. Well, people can self-diagnose themselves when they're single to say, oh, I can't let anybody in, I can't let anybody in. Well, that's a really big neg- negative side of not being vulnerable. If you can't let anybody in, then, then you're unable to find the solution, right? Unable sure. to remove the obstacle. I learned so much. And how many books did you just talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I'm going to like have to get a counter, one of those like, cheeky things. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll, I'll try my best to get the book recommendations down to a minimum. Don't worry about it. It's great. I love books. So I guess next question I have for you is what do you do to foster connections with people through vulnerability? Like, Do you have any tips or anything that you usually open with? For example, like something that I like to do. Oh, here's an act to speak for you. <laughs> the given circumstances. So I like to comment on the given <laughs> circumstances, which is just the context that we're all in, right? Yeah. So if I'm at a networking event, one of the things that makes me so capable at networking events is because I realize that everyone Mm. there is probably just as nervous and uncomfortable Mm. as I am. And so they're just waiting for someone to come up to them and go, God, it's a bit awkward here, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So that's a, yeah, that's a really great question. So like all good things, I'll start internal to myself and mimic something similar to what you said, which is that human beings are way, way more similar than we give ourselves credit for. And isn't there only like 1% difference in our DNA structure between us and like a chimpanzee, Probably. let alone between us, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and 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 I'm not I'm not going to comment on society or anything like that. But you don't need to look far to talk about how the 21st century, the rise in technology, etc., sort of amplifies this fact that we are individuals, unique people. But the most important thing for any society is realizing the communities that we're in and leaning on each other for strength. You know, combining our weaknesses with our strengths, etc. So starting internally uh, in a time that I'm anxious or nervous whilst needing to be vulnerable, that's 100% what I remember. Like, there's a really good saying, I can't remember where I've heard it. I've been saying it for years. It might be mine. It might not be mine. We'll have to give it a Google. But that is that, and this is what I remember, nobody thinks about other people while they're trying to fall asleep at night. And the reason I find that that empowers me to be vulnerable is the fact that people are living their own lives, you know. If I've worn something scantless or I don't think that I've looked my best during the day, I know that other people aren't falling to sleep and they're going, oh, that Dylan bloke, <laughs> why would he wear those sandals to the podcast <laughs> event? They're just simply not doing that. No. Everybody's thinking about themselves. It's very hard to escape thinking about themselves. And and so you do the self-analysis on yourself and say you're at a speaking event and there's somebody that speaks before you, while you're listening to them and say you've got your speech coming up next, other people are hungry, they're waiting for food, like it's very hard to listen actively. And it's even harder to listen actively whilst judging a person. Not a lot of people are doing that in the audience. They think about themselves. They think, oh, I wish I got the steak. Mm. Oh, my speech is up next. You know, 
thinking about themselves all the time. So when you are in those vulnerable circumstances, whether it's like having to introduce people, remember that that person's also having to introduce themselves to you. And are you dressing them up and down going, oh my goodness, what is she wearing? Of course you aren't. So of course they aren't back. And that ties back into just remembering that we're all pretty bloody similar. Mm. And yeah, even if we think that we aren't, we, we very much are. I think you're right. It's it, it comes from that recognition that we're not that dissimilar. If you're feeling one way, at least one other person is feeling that too. And realistically, you're right. Like I will sometimes get one. Of, do, have you ever had that thing where a thought will come out of nowhere and like hit you across the head? And it's always like a cringy memory. Yep. And it's like out of nowhere, I'll be stacking the dishwasher and I will think about the way that I responded to a text five years ago and how that <laughs> makes me a bad person now. Yeah. And it's like no one else is thinking about that. Yeah. The person who I texted is not thinking yeah. about that. Like uh, there was a very small possibility. Oh, 100%. True. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so you're right, like taking away, having that moment to be self-aware as opposed to self-conscious is, is one of the ways to stop feeling so nervous about it. Exactly right. And I think why I like the question as well, coming off the back of the first question, we talk about how to be vulnerable with ourselves, how to sit, be quiet with yourself and realize and tease out who you are. When you do that work with yourself, the Mark Manson book that everybody has read with the, the orange title and it oh, swears. Oh yeah, that word, how to the, not give the, a fuck? Yeah, that the one? subtle art of not giving, giving a, fuck. a fuck. There you go. It essentially explains that, you know, when you, when you do that work on yourself, you do become less caring about others because you realise that you can only see the world through your eyes. And even if I come here today and Paul's like, oh, that Dylan boy, this or that, well, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to experience what you experienced and it doesn't really affect me. It can't affect me. Yeah, I think that touches on a... We're getting really philosophical here, but I think that that touches on the fact that for a very long time I've believed that a reputation is this separate thing to us in a lot of ways because my name like I am who I am but my name has this totally separate life to me and people will throw it around they'll sell nice things they'll say bad things about me but all I can do is control my behavior that's right all I can do is control you know the the way that I look at things the way that I approach things things that I do things that I say and you know regulate emotions and thinking you know but like part of the confidence that comes with being able to be vulnerable and the courage that it requires is knowing that you know you have limited power and even then you know you can then go back to well maybe I did that I'll learn from that and I like myself enough that or at least I'm building enough confidence in myself that it's not going to rattle me as much 100% and and you look at the people that you respect the most like large celebrities or philosophers that you admire or even like you know these days YouTube personalities Mm. the thing that we are drawn to is the fact that they are so much themselves they don't care about what other people think. They're operating on that higher frequency. Mm. So the more because you have to to ex- get to that level. Exactly. Because if you exactly were right. like the prisoner to everyone else's opinions, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to create anything. Exactly right. And the second thing that they do, completely vulnerable. They're honest all the time. That's that's what allows us to connect with them and feel like you know we we value their opinions because they're going to tell us exactly how they're feeling or exactly what their opinions are on certain things. They're not trying to not gaslight. Gaslight's the wrong word, but trying to politic about it. They're not trying to shape. Yeah, mm. the opinions on themselves. Exactly right. Politics is an excellent mm. example. I, I actually had advice from a politician about dealing with vulnerability, and he mm. told me before every public speech, uh, he has at least six beers. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's something to keep in mind too, oh. if you're that way inclined. Well, I guess it depends how tall he is, right? Because if I had six beers before every podcast, <laughs> he's quite episode, short, actually. He's quite okay. short. Oh. You have to give he it a has... crack on the next one. Apologies oh, to the next guest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I don't do beer. I'll just have like six gins. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> have to have a full stomach. <laughs> But in terms of, so we know that it's about recognizing that people probably aren't going to think about us as much as we think they will. They probably won't care as much as we think they will. So there's not really as many reasons to be too afraid about being vulnerable. Mm. I suppose another thing that you mentioned before, which I want to bring back to this discussion before we move on to the next question, is choosing the people that you're vulnerable Mm. with. And making sure you choose wisely. On a previous episode of the podcast, I talked to Liz Best and she mentioned how vulnerability is earned. And I think that that's a really good way to look at when we are vulnerable with people and look at our vulnerability as an honor that we're bestowing on them in a way. Yes. Because we trust them enough and it's it's not just like a piece of garbage that you're throwing yeah, at them, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, and that makes it more meaningful as well. Makes it more meaningful as well. It, it's interesting. So Buzzin Books, obviously, the platform. Mm. One of the underlying reasons why I wanted to set it up, and this ties into like who we share vulnerability with, o- on the page, you can submit your story anonymously if you like. And a lot of people do it publicly, which I yeah. think takes great, great courage to talk about the different stories. And, and for listeners that don't know what Buzzin Books platform does, it allows people to share their stories of adversity, coupled with a book that gave them advice to allow them to get through it. And then their advice for similar people going through similar issues but one of the reasons why I set it up I just wanted people to realize that that vulnerability that peace all of these different people are going through the same thing yeah. and once you know that you're not alone it does allow you to be like you know what I'm going to focus on what's important which is me but when it comes to yeah you're right earning that that piece of vulnerability exactly right and you look at like the early stages of a relationship you know, opening up slowly and that's oh, everyone's that respect on their best behavior. Oh, the first exactly right. Months. Exactly it's just right. Like what? No, I, I have never farted in my life. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 100%. And I don't know what that noise was. And I know you don't have a dog, but I think I saw one run out of the room. <laughs> I love it. Hello, folks. I'm just popping in to let you know that Stumble Through is now hosted on Acast. It's really exciting, and it means that you're going to be hearing some ads on Stumble Through from now on. The ads do help me keep the podcast going, and you can help me and Stumble Through if you wanted to make a once-off donation. You can support the podcast through the Support the Podcast feature. It's just a little link in the show notes and you can make a once-off donation. There's no minimum spend, no strings attached. It's kind of like you're throwing me a coffee once in a while and that would be amazing. So if you want to support Stumble Through, click on the Support the Podcast link in the show notes. All right, back to the episode. Hope you enjoy. Actually, let's talk about then... I want to talk about the responsibility that you must feel, not just in your professional capacity as mm. a team leader in your day job, but also in the curator and creator of Brothers and Books. It can be tricky to honour what people share while also looking after yourself and ensuring a safe space. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm very blessed and grateful that the curation of Brothers and Books is quite easy because all of the stories being shared are private through to the page and obviously for them to reach out and do it they are they're ready to share i recently had a bali bombings victim i finally open up after however many years and send through his story on the page as well but for me that that's actually quite quite 
quite an easy aspect to navigate. And the reason that it is, is because I can, I can see that the effect that it's having on the greater community. And one thing that always brings me a lot of joy is you'll see someone that's read a book and it's, and it's drastically changed their life. And a good, a good book recommendation and one that I see come up on the page quite a bit is Lost Connections by Jahan Hari. And essentially, it's just one-stop go-to book for understanding the causes of depression. And through learning the causes of depression, you can utilize it as a checklist whenever you're feeling sad. Ah, okay. Right? And you can like, if you are in a depressive episode, you can go through and go, okay, could it be this thing? Could it be this thing? 100%. As opposed to like, sometimes when you're dealing, when you're in like the absolute pits of despair, dealing with a mental health issue, then it feels like, have you ever gone swimming in the dark? Yes. But like no lights anywhere and there's just nothing and it's just dark water and sounds seem to be louder and closer and everything is terrifying and you don't know like up from down at a certain point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just terrifying. So to be able to have that checklist where you can go, okay, I have a life raft here. I can check this off and go, is it this thing? No. Is it this thing? No. Is it that thing? Maybe. Yeah. And and that's why it's it's quite easy for me because – when a book like that comes in and someone's you know gone to the effort of sharing their story and recommending this book and then they can see other people literally reading the book because of them i sort of sit over it, it it's the community that does everything it's sort of like for lack of better words like peer to peer sort of advice sharing which leads to other people gaining the knowledge and we talk about you know when everything's scary and dark there's a really great saying and it's used by the Australian Special Forces Parachuting Regiment right so these guys when they're at the parachute school you know they have to jump out of a plane now if you think about and similar do that for fun sometimes (laughs) and I don't understand them and similar to the example where you're in water and everything's dark well you visualize being in a plane and you're about to jump out a door and you've got no training at all right it's obviously obscenely unfathomably scary horrifying but their saying is and their motto can't remember the latin is knowledge dispels fear so you learn learn about the parachute first learn about the plane learn about the altitude learn about how to fall learn about how to pull the rope Mm -hmm. and it suddenly dissipates the fear that you have dissipates so knowledge dispels fear when people read books because of that and, and the people that are recommending them can see other people learning the checklist, reducing that fear and anxiety about whatever they're going through, that's powerful stuff. And, and you know, you think about good deeds, just sharing your story, it's powerful, powerful stuff. It's human civilization. If you've read the book Sapiens by Yuval Nahari. I got it from my dad, but he hasn't given it to me yet. It was probably because he's bloody kept it. It's a great book. Oh, uh, it, it sits on his bedside <laughs> table. Every time I visit, I'm like, Done without you. <laughs> my, my turn. <laughs> I, I'll have to send send you a copy, and and all it does is it takes you through the civilization of mankind in really great depth. And the key argument is simply that human beings being able to evolve from what we were from apes is is just all based around stories. And one of the key things it talks about is monkeys and apes. They can only exist in communities of about uh, 150. Oh, that's right. Because if it gets any bigger, then... they can't control it. The mm. animal instincts take over. Yeah. But what happened when apes became Neanderthals that could survive in tribes larger than 150 were the stories that they could communicate to each other were a higher purpose and so it allowed them to band together it's why you know we appreciate politicians telling us what to do even though we may not like that specific one but that's what holds society together that's why sporting events are important that's why religion is important that's what stops us from becoming tribalistic so people sharing their story 
tremendous amounts of power and positivity in that. And for me, I'm fortunate to not be able to answer that question and say it's (laughs) tricky because I have found it quite pleasing and pleasurable to run. I will say being able to balance full-time work whilst... (laughs) The the time and the energy thing, though, that might be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whilst running the page, whilst, like I said, we recently published a book, doing all these different things, it is difficult to balance my time, but there's a whole heap of different things that can bring efficacy in that. And I'm sure there's a book out there as well (laughs) to teach me how to better manage my time. So that that's the hardest part, finding the hours in the day. If you happen to know how to increase the amount of hours in the day to like 36, that'd be handy and you can tell me afterwards and I'd really appreciate that. Mate, if I did, I would be selling that secret in so many books. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, right? There's a great saying, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. Yeah. The, best, the second best time is today. So finding time to do all these things Again, it brings me brings me a lot of pleasure because I know well, this is my vulnerability. This is my truth. This is what I want to be doing with my time. So I find time for it. It's like when a university degrees last safe moment and you get it done. Yep. So, yeah, I'm constantly just getting it done. It's really like inspiring but comforting at the same time. Sometimes I listen to, you know, inspiring speakers talk and I just feel wholly intimidated <laughs> and unqualified. <laughs> but I listen to you speak. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we can. We can do the things. Yeah. The thing is possible. People are great. Have you found resistance when you've been vulnerable with people, either in your personal life or have you – has anyone ever reached out to the page and been like, oh, tone it down, like calm down. Yeah. This isn't the place – social media isn't the place to share stories of hardship. Yeah, so the best examples of where you've been let down by being vulnerable are in those not only intimate but close relationships where – you are very clearly articulating, you know, your your feelings, your wants, your emotions with someone that you care about, right? Mm. They've earned that respect. And then when they act in a way that's dissimilar or not in line with what you have communicated, that's where that's where you get let down with vulnerability, right? It's just it's just feeling let down. But yeah, it's it's difficult not to have expectations in others. Of so course. when you are vulnerable with someone, you you can't project what they're going to do with that information in the future, and that's that's what vulnerability is. Of course, but it's that's scary. Exactly right, and that's when you're let down the most when they act out of what you would think that they did. You know, yeah. Above that sits just being accepting of whatever they choose to do with that information, and also at the time that you share vulnerability. That's what you want to do in that current moment. If it turns to bite you, well, there's not a lot you can do about that. No, and I I think that there are two great points that you've made here. The first is that, you know, you are being honest in that situation. You are acting out of faith. You know, you're acting in good faith by sharing this vulnerable part of you. And you're also trying to get what you want. You know, and and it's most basic. You're going, you are someone I trust this is something that I feel and in the best circumstances, this will help me get what I want, which is a feeling, a thing, a deeper connection, whatever. The dish is done. <laughs> Don't even stop. Trick it. Just the, yeah, no, like having that conversation of, look, I understand that you don't think it's a big deal to leave the dishes not done. That means something bigger for me. Yeah. When you don't do the dishes and when 
you don't help me keep things tidy. I view that as a lack of respect towards this relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And X, Y, Z. Yes, no, I've had that discussion yeah, on yeah, multiple yeah. occasions. Yeah, but I do love these conversations when you do take the emotional thing right down to a micro level, mm. like washing the dishes. And it seems to, you know, because everybody can relate to that. It's easy yeah. to talk about. Emotions are very tricky things. It is. But I, I also wanted to talk about, I remember this one time, my dad told me, you know, be careful who you put your trust in. Mm. Be careful who you tell things to. Be careful who you put your faith in. And, you know, that that is wise words. But I think to a certain extent, we have to not be too paranoid about that. You yeah. know, because like, well, as awful as that is, we have to trust that we have enough good people around us that will support us in order to get over whatever challenge that will be. We have to act and be the people that we want to be. And to a certain extent, it's also like, well, you've also learned something from that. If someone responds to you being vulnerable in a way which hurts you and is malicious or dismissive, then you've learned that that's not a person you need in your life or want to deal with. A hundred percent. And that ties back into, and I completely agree, it ties into being honest and truthful all the time. You can do no wrong. Because if somebody acts in the disinterest, then you're right. You've learnt the lesson. You don't sit on it and go, oh, maybe I should tell them this. Maybe I should mm. tell them that. But what if they do this? If you just tell them and then they do do that thing you were worried about, well, that's a that's a quick way to make sure you're not wasting any time. Yeah, you know, it saves you time and heartbreak later. Exactly right. For sure. I will just say here on like a, a personal level, let's all just be – it's very difficult not to have expectations of people, but let's – also be conscious that just because someone doesn't reciprocate or respond in the way that you had hoped does not necessarily mean that it's not validating. Sometimes, you know, I'll vent to a friend or my mum. They'll be like, well, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I didn't want that. I wanted you to say, oh, poor baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like in those moments, I'm like, no, I would just like to have a wine, please. <laughs> but it's also like, okay, well, no, that's actually them showing that they care for me and going... Why did you do that? You knew that was going to hurt. Yeah. Why would you do that to yourself? I care about you and I want to know why you're hurting yourself. Yeah. Is that implicit? So, you know, just because someone responds in a way that is not necessarily what you'd expect or automatically you think is positive, may maybe just step back and go, okay, maybe they're not being an asshole. Maybe I need to recognize that there are different ways of expressing care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they're being honest, well, it's hard, hard for you to judge them the same way you don't want yeah. To be judged. Sure. Yeah. All right, so now it is time for the Things I've Never Said segment, where we accept anonymous submissions and confessions from our listeners on the topic we discuss. So we've got two submissions today. The first one is, it's what gives us a glue that binds as adults. I wish more people felt comfortable expressing vulnerability. I wish we were taught how to as children so we were better equipped to connect on a meaningful level as adults. Mm. I think I understand what they're saying, and I guess it's because... It's quite difficult to be vulnerable as a child because, well, that's a sweeping generalization, yeah. but you would hope that most children don't have like these deep, dark secrets and fears that they would have to confess, you know? Yeah. So I, I understand you, you wish that you had that training early on, right? Yeah. So what I'll say to this, like different mm. stages of your life, right? From zero to five, you can't remember. And then from there, you have different interests. You want to you wanna learn everything that you can from the ages of like six to 11. Once you get to like the age of 11, you go through that deviant stage of growing up and dealing with hormones, et cetera. And unless you're me, and in which case you become like obsessed with being the good girl. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but different things. And then from that like 18 to 22, it's all literally 
stumbling through, right? Mm. At 18, 18 to, you know, X. <laughs> 18 until you're six feet under. Yeah, exa- exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, you've got different things that you're focusing on those different times. But you can lead a horse to water, right? And you can't make a drink. Mm. Teaching someone to be vulnerable is very difficult. What you experience in childhood is often the reasons why you do have the blockades up of the vulnerability. Mm. The brain's extremely malleable between those ages, like two to four. And, and yeah, those... I think, isn't it key developmental years is between, I'm pretty sure it's one to five. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you, you are a baby and then you are a toddler. So yeah, one or two to five, those are your key developmental stages. That's where you know, some deep-seated core beliefs come from. Yeah, and that's Freudian psychology, right? It looks at what childhood trauma... Isn't it also neurological and biological because that's the time in the brain where you are... Your brain is growing and developing more synapses and... When, what's the thing? So the synapses is where they meet, right? And then you've got neural pathways. That yes, one. Yes, yeah, yes, that, yes, That's yeah. like the largest period of growth and of course it would be because yeah. that's when you're learning to walk learning to talk learning another language sometimes learning that crying brings you someone yeah to look after you right learning how to self-soothe that's right mm. so i think yeah i think because of that period in your life it's, it's not something contextually that you are willing and wanting real you know again sweeping statements to develop the skill for and i think later on in life learning the vulnerability peace and being able to communicate well that that's an important stepping stone throughout like you know your apprenticeship life you're like your early 20s to 30s to figure out who you are and who you can trust and who your friends are etc but like i said you can lead a horse to water and you might not be able to make it drink and i know like even yourself being a volunteer for mental health education in in schools etc a lot of the time that there'll be people that are reached without a doubt you know, we may not be able to cater to the majority of people. So we mm. were, if we were trying to, you know, I remember a healthy Harold telling me to eat, you know, apples. That was the giraffe, The right? giraffe, That's right? a very Australian thing. It's a very Australian thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done for knowing it. You know, I can remember him and what he was teaching me, but at the time, I didn't care yeah, about this bloody sock puppet giraffe. <laughs> I wanted to go play handball at lunch. So, you know, these things that we think in hindsight, like, oh, that would have been really really valuable to know vulnerability definitely would have been but whether we pick it up or not who knows you know i wish they taught me more about finances in school etc right. right but i think the question is really good because right now we can teach ourselves about vulnerability when when we find that it is important in our life we can do something about it and like i said you can lead the horse to water but it's when we're truly thirsty that we need to learn, that we learn the biggest lessons. So we can't foresee everything that's going to happen in life. We can't learn the skills that we wish that we had in the past, but we can do it today. You're right. It's it's about acknowledging that, you know, it would be great if we had learned that before, but that doesn't necessarily mean, as you say, that we would have actually taken it on board. Absolutely, it would have been good to have exposure to it. And you're right. I think with mental health specifically, it is really important in terms of a chemical and neurological development stage. When you are between the ages of 12 and 14, that's when you're going through the most hormonal change. And that is when if you are predisposed to a mental health issue, that's when it's going to probably rear its head yeah. if it hasn't already. Yeah. And so that is a key area. And so giving people those skills. However, you're right. If when when the student is ready, the, the teacher appears. Like you until you need to know it, until you actually want to know it, 
are you actually going to take that information on board? And because we were probably predisposed to a lot of education about vulnerability, Mm -hmm. about friendships, about economics, about all of these really important Mm -hmm. things. It's whether we remember whether it's stuck. Yeah. You know, we learn learn a lot about relationships as children. A lot. Most Most children's books that we read are all about friendships, are all about sharing. Mm -hmm. You know, we we are well-equipped to not only gain access to learn the things that we want to learn, but as children as well, the education system. There's a few people that are on the fence about it, but overall, it's pretty bloody good. You're right. It's Things just change. You know, values shift, needs shift. But I really understand where this person's coming from. Yeah. You know, we need to be able to learn how to communicate in a way that isn't just surface level connection, you know, yeah. and actually not be friends of convenience, but actually have real friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, being a young man... I had a lot of friends of convenience. I oh, think. didn't we all? It was yeah. cool. You had you had to be friends with them yeah. because you spent however many ridiculous hours yeah. a week with them. Like yeah. it was either be friends or be miserable. Yeah, and and the the best way that we learn vulnerability and and maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe there's a slide package or a lecture that we can get and we can be. But you know, I know Brene Brown. Oh very, my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so there's a book. There's a book. Yeah. So Brene Brown talks about it, but. But if we think about what vulnerability is and where we can learn the most lessons, it's through social interaction. Mm. And through school, that's what we're doing all the time. So we're always learning. We're always picking up. And while while we may not know specific definitions or... Are you like consciously aware of it? We are yeah. subconsciously prone to learning through it, right? Yeah. That's why, you know, you only date a certain sort of person that goes wrong multiple times until you learn the lesson. Yeah, and you're like, oh, right, I'm attracted to someone who I need. This is hypothetical. I'm not. I'm attracted <laughs> to someone that I need to fix yeah. because that makes me feel needed and capable. It, ah. Exactly right. And people can tell you, hey, Paula, like you're doing the same thing again. Mm. You're doing the same thing again. Can't make the horse drink. You're yeah. going to learn your own lessons. It's but true. I do I do, I do, do agree with the person that asked the question. It would be great if you were to learn more communication, vulnerability skills. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. More learning, the better. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Read then, more books. Yes. <laughs> Read more books. Go to therapy. Yay. <laughs> All right. And then our final submission for today is, I see a small portion of people on my socials that project their daily, even hourly happenings. They reflect their reactions, their emotions, and their opinions very frequently. This can be trivial matters like meals of the day, living and lifestyle, or sometimes their emotional doubts and worries. On initial viewing of these profiles, you think, man, just tone it back a bit. But when you think about each individual, you begin to realize that these high frequencies may be a call for social connection. Something that ironically, social media doesn't provide. <laughs> as it goes, Great question. Yeah, as it forgoes the quality of interactions for the sheer mass of them. I hope messages like in Dear Evan Hansen that we're truly not alone ring true and everyone finds safe and quality connection in their own ways. Mm. I'm going to have to do a quick Google on Dear Evan Hansen because I know sort of the storyline. I know that Ben Platt is in it, but I am not 100%. I think it goes that a they're in high school and two teenage boys become friends and then one of them takes their own life very okay. shortly after. I, I think that's the thing, yeah. but it's like, I think the overall message of the show is just like, well, you know, you're not alone. People are feeling yeah. this too. And if you have the courage to be vulnerable, then you'll find a whole community you didn't know you yeah. had. Yeah. To relate to the question, I think like a good example would be shortly after a breakup or something, someone posts something to try and get a reaction, right? So, you know, maybe there's people out there that are posting these things to try and get a reaction, mm. like they alluded to, maybe searching for that social connection as well. And if they are on social media all the time, then... 
obviously, you know, life's about balance and the pie chart, you know, you try yeah. and get it as even as possible. But if they are on social media a lot, then maybe they're forgoing actual socialization in, yeah. in real life. But I like uh, the use of the word connection and and I can't I can't recommend lost connections enough. The the checklist itself talks about a lack of meaningful connection at work, so a lack of purpose at work, a lack of connection with being outdoors, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So highly likely they are looking for that that social connection piece, you know, it's why people are on dating apps, etc. May not even be in the right environment to want to date, yeah. But they still get them just just in case, just in case. Oh, just it's also alone. dating apps is a whole different kettle. Of there, mm. that's that's such a nuanced thing. But I, I think you're right. It's the person who's written in. I really love the submission. It's yeah. so so well thought out and very thought provoking. I think that they're right. It's this idea that sometimes we go looking for what we need in all the wrong places, but to a certain extent, that's what we have to do because you don't know that it's the wrong place until you find out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, you're right. It's a matter of being conscious of that within ourselves and then noticing that in other people. And if, you know, you are a friend with them or if you do care about them going, hey, noticing you've been talking a lot about this on Instagram, did you need to chat or alternatively i'm not in a place where i feel like i can support you but i can give you the number of five psychologists yeah. if you want because <laughs> i know them and they're pretty cool yeah 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 life's a pendulum swing mm. it, you know at different stages of different lives people will be posting more people will be posting less wedding days buying a house mm. all these meaningful things so you know it's just what they're going through at the time. Yeah. 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 It's sure. it's very hard. I hate I hate to be such a realist, but I am very much a realist on these sorts of things. Yeah. I think that that's everything at the moment. Unless did you have anything that you wanted to touch on? Was there anything that we didn't get to cover that you'd like to mention? One thing that I'd like to mention is the isolation piece. So sometimes we're unable to be vulnerable because there's no one to be vulnerable with. Yeah, we're quite literally isolated. And that social media, the uptick in social media might come from a place of isolation Mm. and Regardless if it's physical isolation or not, or if it's perceived isolation and you do have friends and family, one thing that's so easy to do for your mental health, a lot easier than going to the gym, in my opinion, a lot easier than going and socializing or changing your diet and feeling good about yourself. And I'm assuming cheaper than therapy because that is expensive. Much cheaper than therapy is reading and finding the stories in others. And if you think about meditation where you go and actively try to calm your thoughts calm your mind and stop thinking about whatever is causing you anxiety reading is exactly that uh, and i cannot promote it enough for the cheapest easiest option to quieten your mind and connect with the author with the characters within the book enough because it is truly life-changing also it's really fun yeah like what's that quote that a reader lives a thousand lives because uh, yeah 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 through reading we can live a thousand lives yeah look i don't know about you but have you ever had this moment of realizing that you have but one life and you will not get to experience all the things and do all the <clears> things <throat> yeah that made me really angry yeah. <laughs> i was like what do you mean well, well, how so, dare you so so that so that thought it doesn't come to surface very much mm. but but it's it's the pretext to most of the questions that we ask people when we meet them what do you do for work oh i'm a doctor What's that like? That's my least favorite question. What do you do? No. no. Okay, that is the dreaded question. No one likes that yeah, question. Yeah, but everybody's trying to see what it's like through other people's eyes and yeah. reading's such an excellent medium to do that. Mm. Yeah. And one thing that I'll just say, talk about living a thousand lives, the beauty about reading is for a lot of young people, and hopefully your audience can connect with this, they actually don't know 
what they want to do in life or they're concerned about the future, they haven't found themselves. Again, you don't know what you don't know. So by reading widely, you can put yourself in a situation where you were prone to run into a bunch of different ideas, interests, topics, hobbies that you wouldn't have otherwise been subjected to. Yeah, it's different to a social media algorithm because that is literally designed to serve you the same thing that you have enjoyed before and that you've engaged with before and that gets a larger response. The reason why most of the posts which go viral either make us feel sad or angry is because it creates that really strong emotional response. Whereas with reading, you get a much more nuanced approach, I think. And sure, if you read a lot of the same kinds of books, for example, if you really like fantasy and you read Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you're in that kind of world. Yeah, but that's still very different worlds, still very different characters, very short, you know, hero's journey, yada, yada, yada. But there are fundamental differences which you will be exposed to which you would not otherwise have. Whereas for social media, I feel like it's very easy for it to become homogenous. Yeah, yeah. And to tie, you know, a couple of the things that we spoke about being individual responsibility for life, talking about wishing that we had the education of Mm. vulnerability as a young kid. Well, take the responsibility to find the education that you want to have for yourself in this current moment and Reading does just that, just that. And if you're concerned that maybe you're not interesting enough, well, read a lot of books and you'll suddenly be the most interesting person in the room, especially in the days of Facebook or Instagram, etc. Yeah, for sure. I, I think reading's great. I've really enjoyed it all the time, so I don't really have much to add to that. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast, Dylan. I've got two final questions for you. Mm. The first one is, what would you do if you knew 10,000 people would do the same? I think you know the answer to this. Is it read a book? You're dead right. It's read a book. So <laughs> I'm very glad. So Bubs and Books last year, so we, we did a national readathon, fundraiser, yeah. the readathon. And through that, there was about 450 people that signed up, which is excellent, all reading five books, you know, which is over 2,000 books being read, which is excellent. So strategic uplift to relationships, families, communities, small businesses, just heightening the consciousness of people through learning and education. So... Yes. If I could implore 10,000 people to do something, it would be read a book and <laughs> I'm doing it every day. So I'm, okay, I'm glad reading to say, a whole book every day. No, no, no. Okay, cool. Because I'm like the... Encouraging 10,000 people cool. to read every day. Okay, That's l- literally all I do yeah. because I believe in it so strongly and I'm so passionate about, <laughs> I'm so passionate about it that that's what I want to do. So again, super grateful to be able to answer that question and say, that's what I get to do every day. I'm so pleased for you. Yeah. It's been such a joy to have you on. Where can we find you? And do you have anything to plug? So you can find me at Brothers and Books on Instagram. It's the world's coolest book club. A survey went out last year to everybody in the world and they decided. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, I did get that. You did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. that actually. Mm. You voted for something else, but that's fine. The majority of okay, people look, in, voted for Brothers and Books. In my defense, it was because <laughs> I saw that most of the top books were like armed forces related. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But since you've talked about, Recently, you've talked about Lost Connections, and yep. then I really liked that Seth Godin book that you talked about, The Dip. The Dip. That seemed really cool. So, yeah. no, uh, it's it's for civilians too, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for, it's for everybody. The slogan of the page is just to make reading cool. Gym culture in Australia a couple of years back, it wasn't very big, and then it just exploded. And now there are hashtag gym rats. You can't go anywhere without seeing a gym. There's as Did many gyms that, as there right? are McDonald's, right? Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> no, no, actually, I don't know about that. I think there might be a um. slightly surplus of McDonald's, but... <laughs> All it is is about reading books and, and, you know, I don't care what books people are reading, just read books. And the final thing that I'll say about Brothers and Books and about why you should read, I promise it's short, 
<laughs> is that reading books allows you to concentrate and get into a state of flow and focus that triggers your long-term memory. It's why that you can remember what you read in high school, but you can't remember the Instagram real video that you watched last night, mm. right? It's because it stays with you. So there is a chance that reading a book will tremendously impact your life for not only a short time after reading it, but for the rest of your life as well. You can remember the details of a book sometimes better than what you can remember the details of your own wedding day. So if reading a single $20 book can impact your life to the point where you remember it for the rest of your life, more so than, let's say, getting married, read more books. Yeah. Don't get married as often. <laughs> Look, getting married is much more expensive than books. But, but you know, you can join a library, so it's even more accessible. Yeah, free. What was that? It's Ralph Waldo Emerson. They said the yes. about going back to school or something. It's like, I cannot remember all the words that I read or the papers I wrote, but nevertheless, they have made me the man I am today. That's right. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. I think it's very cool. I follow along. Maybe I'll have to send you a book that I've read. Yeah, you'll have to send in yeah. yeah, send in your story. Do many, it. Many, 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 many. One hundred percent. And I think that that's that's it. So thank you so so much for coming on the podcast. And thank you for listening. Thanks as always to Zane at That's Not Canon Productions. Graphics are by Claudia Piggott, music by Jessica Fletcher, and editing is by Dominic Guilfoyle. If you've stumbled upon us, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us and it makes me personally really happy. You can find us on Instagram at StumbleThroughPod and we do pep talks on stories every Sunday. Until next time, do your best and take care of each other. Chat soon. Bye. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.